Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. Well, I reckon John 13 verse 34 is one of the most memorized verses in the Bible. And so let's test that theory. I'm, I'm going to start a sentence and, and you're going to finish it. So you, you call it out. You ready? A new commandment I give to you. All right. And some of you kept on going. You knew more than what I even was expecting. I mean, I, I gave you a pretty big hint. All right. Um, a new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another. What an awesome memory verse. And if you don't yet have a life mission statement, I'd highly recommend John 13 verse 34 as, as a life mission statement for you. But only if you remember the context that it was first given him. And so Jesus isn't calling us to uh, some sort of soppy, sentimental, spasmodic love. Jesus is commanding us to strong, sacrificial, steadfast love. Now, this week's passage, it picks up on the heels of last week's passage. Uh, last week, we looked in and saw that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. The most humiliating task of the first century. And then in... John 13 verse 15, we heard Jesus say, Now you, my disciples, which includes us, go and do as I have done. True disciples of Jesus are to be the most humble servants. So that was last week's passage. And I remind us, because it is the exact same humility we looked at last week, that sits behind Jesus' command to love one another. And so here's how we're going to look at the second half of John 13 this week. Uh, First of all, we're going to look at Jesus' betrayer. And then we're going to look at Jesus' glory. And then we're going to look at Jesus' grace. And so there's the three headings. Jesus' betrayer. Jesus' glory is our red bull. Wait there for that one. And then thirdly, Jesus' grace. Okay. Firstly, Jesus' betrayer. As we heard uh, during the kids' talk, Jesus' earthly ministry lasted three years. And during those three years, Jesus chose 12 disciples. Uh, He had many disciples, but the 12 were special ones. Jesus chose these 12 to be the initial leaders of his church. Now, one of the 12... Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. And John chapter 13, verses 18, right through to uh, chapter verse 30, tells uh, of that betrayal. And And it tells us that Jesus knew that Judas would betray him before Judas even knew. Jesus knew Judas would betray him before Judas even knew. That is stunning. And Jesus wants us to know just how stunning his foreknowledge is 
That's, that's verses 18 to 20. Re- read them with me. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Uh, Jesus, remember last week, finished with, and you'll be blessed if you do what I've done. If you go be a humble servant, you're going to be blessed. But I'm not speaking of all of you. For I know the one who is going to lift his heel against me. And then verse 19, I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Jesus wants us to know that he is sovereign. Now, sovereignty means supreme ruler. Uh, To possess sovereignty is to possess supreme, ultimate power. Uh, Today, we tend to use sovereign for kings and queens. Here's the thing about earthly kings or queens, though. Their sovereignty doesn't last. They die. They hand on the throne to someone in their family or they get dethroned. And another thing about earthly kings and queens, they don't always make the right decision. But Jesus' sovereignty is absolute. Jesus' supreme rule, it is eternal, lasts forever. Jesus' supreme sovereignty is always right, he is all wise and good. Why am I stressing Jesus' absolute sovereignty from these couple of verses? Because Jesus' sovereignty is the main point. Particularly verse 19, look at it again. Why did Jesus tell the 12 disciples that he knows that Judas is about to betray him? Jesus had foreknowledge of an event that was about to take place. Why did Jesus do that? So that when Judas did betray Jesus the remaining 11 would believe that Jesus is I am. The he at the end of verse 19 is not in the original language. Feel free to cross it out in your Bible. Last time I said that, I got uh, roasted by a friend in church. He said, oh, Steve, so you encourage us to cut out bits of the Bible, do you? Um, In the original language, the he wasn't there. This is another place just like John 8:58 when Jesus used the Exodus 3 verse 14 name of God for himself Jesus is declaring I am in Exodus chapter 3 uh, we're told that God selected Moses to lead his people and Moses's initial reaction was uh uh-uh. uh That frightens me. And so Moses said to God, so who should I say sent me? And God's answer is Exodus 3 verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to this people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. God 
is bigger than we can imagine. That is what God wants us to know from his name, I am. You see, we can know God, but that is only because he has revealed himself to us. We mustn't imagine that that we are the ones who get to describe who God is. We are not the ones who get to define God. God is the designer and definer of the universe. God is I am. God will be who he will be. I am. And that indescribable, unboxable, intoxicating name for God is the name that Jesus takes on. I am. Jesus foretelling who his betrayer would be before Judas even knew he was going to be the betrayer is Jesus declaring, I am. Listen in. Jesus knew, Jesus knows whom he chose. That, that's what verse 18 is telling us. I know whom I have chosen. Now, now chosen in verse 18, it, it's not choose like, you know, when you choose your basketball team at long lunch. If you're new around church, I'll always use basketball. It's the only sport will be played in heaven. I don't get that from the Bible. So, um, uh, that's not the way Jesus is using chose here in verse 18. Jesus is saying, I know whom I've chose. Now, yes, all 12 of you, there is a sense in which I chose you, you know, like the basketball team at long lunch. But not all of you are chosen. Not all of you have been chosen for eternal life. And I know that. And I am telling you that before all of this plays out, so that you will believe I am. Jesus wanted the 11 to know, and he wants you and I to know, that he is 100% sovereign. To put it in the language of chapter 10, Jesus chooses his sheep, and his sheep will know his name, Jesus is the good shepherd who is 100% sovereign over the sheep. Jesus is not like any earthly shepherd. He's not like any earthly king or queen. Jesus is 100% sovereign. And the reason this is important for you and I to believe is given to us in verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. As Christians, we have the privilege of being sent by Jesus. Whoever receives us, receives Jesus. And receives the one that sent Jesus, the Father. We're not offering good advice. We're offering salvation, new birth, freedom from damnation. 
So while it may appear that John 13, 18 to 30 is simply retelling the story of Judas the betrayer, Jesus is giving something far more than a history lesson. Jesus is calling his original 11 disciples to believe. To believe that Jesus is I am. So that we will boldly go, because we're now disciples of Jesus, so that we too will boldly go and call hundreds and thousands and millions to believe that Jesus is I am. So that was Jesus' betrayer. Now we now turn to Jesus' glory is our red bull. If you don't know what Red Bull is, that's a good thing. Okay, so Red Bull is one of those energy drinks, and their tagline has been for years, Red Bull gives you wings. Now, a little side note, just side tip. If, if you need energy drinks to get you through the day, I'd want to suggest to you lovingly that, that you're not getting enough rest, you're not eating healthy enough, you're not getting enough exercise, not enough good relationships. Okay, end of side tip. Brother, sister... You and I need spiritual energy to be a disciple. According to verse 20, Jesus is sending us into the world so that more people can believe Jesus, can receive Jesus. Are there more people in Port Macquarie to be saved? I'm glad you all definitively said yes. Now, the technical answer is we don't actually know. God knows whom he has chosen. But what we do know is that God so loved the world, he sent his only son into it so that whoever believes in him will be saved. And so we're assuming yes. Therefore, it's not just Port Macquarie. Some of us need to go and be trained up and sent as missionaries around Australia, around the world. Jesus is sending us so that others may receive Jesus and be saved. And we need spiritual energy for that great missionary task. And Jesus' glory is our Red Bull. Read from verse 31 with me. When Jesus had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Now, Judas has just gone out to betray me. Now, really, the hour has come. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to be glorified. This is it, disciples. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's a good thing that most Christians, many Christians, know the new commandment, love one another. It's a bad thing, though, that many of us don't know the context of Jesus giving that command. Uh, Think about it. How does the command to love one another 
connect with what Jesus has just said about his glory? How does that paragraph all hold together? Well, first of all, Jesus' glorification, which also glorifies the Father, is the cross. We established that last week. Jesus' high, high, high glory is ultimately seen in his low, 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 humiliating death on the cross. The cross. Others look in it and go, what foolishness, what weakness. But with those who have eyes to see, oh, what power and what glory. The second connection between Jesus' glory and the command to love comes from where this whole section started. Verse 1 of chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The cross of Jesus Christ is the greatest act of love ever. Forever we're going to sing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb who has conquered the grave. Worthy. 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 Forever. We are going to be singing of the glory and the power and the love of the cross. Jesus' glory, which is the cross, is our red bull for loving one another. That's how verses 34 and 35 are connected to verses 31 to 33. You see, it's not easy to love one another, is it? One of the absolute beauties of God's creation is our diversity. Instead of trying to blend races and cultures and personality into one big melting pot, we should be celebrating all of our differences and distinctions. But that's not easy, is it? Differences cause pain. But that is only because of our selfishness and sin. In the new creation, we are going to celebrate all of the differences God has created. But for now, because of our selfishness and sin, it is hard to love one another. The cross is our daily reminder, your daily reminder, my daily reminder of true glory, power and love. Our wings come from laying our life down in order that we can love. Look at the cross. Jesus' glory of glories. There is our spiritual energy to love one another. Jesus' glory is our red bull to obey his new command. You see, the, the, the command of verse 34, it is not soppy, sentimental, spasmodic love. The, the command of verse 34, it is strong 
It is sacrificial, steadfast love. Okay, to our final point, Jesus' grace. Read from verse 36 with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter did go on to deny Jesus three times. Peter's denial is a catastrophic failure. Nope. I don't know Jesus. No. I don't know Jesus. No. I do not know Jesus. But here's the thing. Jesus forgave Peter. Jesus backed Peter's leadership of the eleven. After Peter's denial, Jesus raised Peter up to be the leader of the eleven. What do you call that? I'll tell you what you call that. Grace. Brother, sister, have you been broken by Jesus' grace? Have you come to the point you know deep in your soul you do not deserve God's forgiveness? But, and, you know deep in your soul you have been adopted, you're embraced, you're loved by God. I wish I had a better memory. We sang it already this morning. These two things I claim, my worthlessness and my worthiness. I didn't get it right, but some of you are nodding. You know the line. We've already sung it. This is the glorious paradox of Jesus' gospel. The gospel teaches us that we're more sinful than we ever dare admit. And we are more loved than we could ever imagine. Jack Miller I think he's the first one to ever put it like this. Cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine. And you are more loved than you ever dared hope. Brother, sister. Self-pity and, and pride will only make us miserable. Self-pity is looking in on ourselves and wishing that we were more, wishing that others would see that we're more. Pride is looking in on ourselves and thinking, man, I'm all that and why don't other people see it too? Self-pity and pride, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. Looking in on ourselves. Now, yeah, we, we do need to look on, on ourselves. Self-examination is a good thing, but... Only through the lens of the gospel. 
that the gospel which tells us I am a greater sinner than I ever dared imagine and I am more loved than I ever dared hope. That is the glorious gospel of grace. And so three implications. Firstly, because Christians are so loved, we ought to love everyone. Whatever race, whatever skin colour, whatever social class, disabled body, abled body, life a mess, life altogether, we are to go and serve and love just as we have loved. There will not be a single human that we ever meet that has not been made in the image of God and needs to hear and see the gospel of grace through us. Secondly, do you believe... Uh, No, no, secondly, I was going to go for the third one. Let's put in a second one first. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 tells us that if we're in Christ, we are a new creation. That's just a truth. If you're a Christian, brother, sister, you are a new creation. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 tells us we are loved. We have been adopted into God's family. We are loved. We are children of God. So the next time you find yourself wallowing in self-pity, preach to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. I am a new creation. I am a daughter or a son of the living God. And the next time you find yourself gossiping about someone, coming up against somebody who's difficult, thinking that you're better than someone else, preach the gospel to yourself. We are only daughters and sons of God because of the glory and the power And the love of the cross. And then, yes, thirdly, do you believe that Jesus is I am? Now, some of you don't yet, and we're glad that you're here. But you need to, and you need to quickly. I beg you, become a disciple of Jesus and just get ready to be blown away by unimaginable love. And then there's some of us who do believe Jesus is I am, but but our belief is weak. Use today as a reminder that whenever you are weak, Jesus is always strong. Jesus is I am. And if if your belief is particularly weak, I encourage you, Grab someone from your point group. Share with, tell them. Confession should be one of the biggest things we do as Christians. Someone that you trust to be gentle and bold, to hold up before you. Jesus, I am. And then there's those of us who do believe Jesus is I am, and our belief is strong. 
And so praise God and, and preach that same gospel to yourself every day while you're strong. Use it as a period to build deep foundations, deep, strong spiritual memory around the fact that I am a greater sinner than I ever dared imagined and I am more loved than I ever dared hope. And, and that will not only help you to be humble as you serve those of us less weak. It's also going to serve you well for the days or the weeks or the months when your belief is weak because you will have spiritual memory not to look in but to look up. Jesus is I am. Let's pray. Father God, we... I ask that we would be able to see you in all of your greatness and, and you give us that picture through your son, Jesus Christ. And, and so we pray that we would fall at the feet of the cross. For at the cross, we find our forgiveness. We see your glory. We find our adoption as your daughters and sons. We hear your gospel yet again. And so for those of us who, who are weak, Father, build us up. For those of us who are strong, help us be bold so that more and more will receive you. And we pray all of this for your glory and our joy. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon. Or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5 p.m. Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.